0: amongst uh, the ancient uh, Jews were closely attached uh, to the covenant, and uh, they fiercely claimed uh, to be descendants of the faithful Abraham. And uh, evermore they sought to establish uh, their covenantal relationship to God and uh, the godly amongst them and this man Zacharias was one of them Uh, he always bore in mind uh, the covenant promises of Jehovah his God and uh, when the fullness of time had come for the appearance of uh, John the Baptist the forerunner of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, then he was uh, he was uh, laid hold of by the Holy Spirit and he spoke these words of, of prophecy concerning both John the Baptist and uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, in these words, uh, they refer uh, to the Lord Jesus' birth and they refer to his uh, ministry and uh, to his sacrificial death upon the cross of Calvary. After being stricken down, and after being given a table, he wrote that his name shall be called John, and thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. And uh, the godly amongst the Jews were looking to God's promises with regard to the birth of the Messiah, to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was to sit upon the throne of David in a spiritual sense but in no less a real sense for that. And uh, Zacharias realises the connection between covenant and mercy and he says to perform the mercy promise to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant. Now then when Zacharias is referring to the mercy, we must understand that this expression THE MERCY, refers to the greatest mercy of all, to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The mercy of God Uh, personalized in the Lord Jesus Christ and the mercy of God in the Bible is uh, the free and undeserved favor of God to men. It uh, regards men as undeserving of the Lord's mercy and blessing and favor and uh, It, uh, the Bible in its use of mercy uh, regards men and sinners as undeserving of mercy. And the mercy of God is something that is promised. And here Zacharias is saying that God is presently performing the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. There are three things we want to consider tonight and the first is why Christ is styled the mercy. And secondly, what kind of mercy Christ is to his people. And uh, thirdly, how this mercy is performed. But firstly, notice why Christ is styled the mercy. Well, Christ is styled the mercy because God could never show mercy to the world but only in and through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can say that. Christ is the very first fruit of the mercy of God to sinners. But the world enjoys a great many privileges and a great many blessings on account of uh, Jesus Christ's coming into the world. Jesus Christ in his person is the uh, Principal mercy, and uh, he is the first mercy, because uh, there are many uh, other mercies that we enjoy in this world, and that the ungodly world enjoy. Uh, that are not directly associated with the person of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is uh, only therefore in and through Jesus Christ that God can and does bless the world of men and particularly the Church of Christ is the first, the chief and uh, the greatest and uh, the best mercy. He is the mercy. He is the chief mercy because all the mercy of God to sinners comes to us through him and through him alone. God doesn't deal with sinners in any other way or by any other person but through him who is the mercy. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He is the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is the medium, he is the channel through which God gives us the benefits and the blessings of his mercy not a drop of saving mercy can come to the children of men but through the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the mercy because all inferior mercies derive their their value and uh, their sweetness from Jesus Christ who is the chief, the principal and the the primary source. Of the mercy of God. He is the fountainhead of all mercy. And our Lord says that if uh, we give even a cup of cold water in the name of Christ, then that cup of cold water is something that is very precious and something that takes on a new sweetness and a new preciousness because it is only given in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and because his blessing rests upon it in the giving of it in his name. You know how in the Acts of the Apostles the Apostles always denied that there was any power or any authority in their own name when they were challenged about doing miraculous things and what an opportunity this was and would have been for them were they so inclined to Tribute to themselves this authority and this power to work miracles, but they always denied that they had any authority or any power inherently in themselves to work miracles. They said, as for example, Peter and James on the steps of the beautiful gate of the temple when they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. (laughs) So that anybody giving a cup of cold water, the least perhaps of all gifts to anybody in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, shall not and shall never lose his reward. And uh, a natural gift, water, a gift of nature, is doubly blessed and takes on a fresh uh, sweetness when it is given in the name of Christ, and when it is received and used in the name of Christ. Uh, So you see how uh, Christian people have a double blessing, they have a double portion. They have the gifts of nature which are in themselves precious and sweet. But more than that, they have the uh, blessing of Christ along with them, which lends them a sweetness and a freshness that they otherwise do not have. An unbelieving person can sit at the Lord's table and can drink the wine and eat the bread uh, that is consecrated for the Lord's supper. And this will neither strengthen his body nor strengthen his faith. But the believer on the other hand, coming to the Lord's table in the exercise of a living faith, that believer is not only strengthened in his faith, he is also strengthened in his very body. For these things are the life of the body. The bread and the wine are not only the life of the body, these things are the life of the soul. Ah yes, the new person, the new nature, under the new life, under the new name, uh, enable that person, who has them, uh, to have a new experience of uh, the gifts of nature. Natural men and godly men and Christian men make a natural use of natural things. But the godly man, the spiritually minded man, he makes a spiritual use of natural things as well as our spiritual things. All the things of this world, all the gifts of nature and all the blessings of this life, derive their value and their worth from the Lord Jesus Christ. How useless are riches and honours and the praise of men if uh, all of these things must be left behind on the mass? Of what use are riches and honours and places and praises of men when all these things must be left behind and must perish forever? Whereas riches and success and position are valuable assets to the believer in this present world. And uh, they are stepping stones for him to reach forth to higher and greater things. They are lodestones that weigh down the ungodly, and that their riches and honours and preferments and places and positions way down the ungodly and, and hinder them making a right use of Christ and the gospel. Well, these things these things are used by the Christian as stepping stones upon which he stands and reaches forth to greater and higher things. You see therefore the difference between a person A rich person who doesn't have the blessing of Christ and a rich person who has the the blessing of Christ. And you see the consequences in both cases. On the one hand, the way down as a millstone, the ungodly. And the up the very opposite to the godly. The godly stand upon these things and they keep the world in its proper place under our feet so that uh, there are superior and subordinate mercies and blessings uh, coming to the world uh, through Christ and uh, the believer enters into an enjoyment of the Supreme and superior blessings, the primary uh, blessings, the blessings that come directly from the person and the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, For as the world may indeed receive blessings from Christ but only through secondary and subordinate causes and means such as social status, wealth, and, uh, and these kind of things. And what a sweetness there is therefore in all temporal blessings to the Christian. Temporal blessings are doubly blessed to the Christian because he has the blessing of Christ with them. Or as the Catechism teaches us about these things having a competent portion of the good things of his life and the blessing of Christ with them. The mercy, natural blessings and spiritual blessings. Natural people and godly people have some enjoyment of natural blessings as yes. food and drink, and, uh, they uh, have some appreciation and yes. some uh, some degree of of satisfaction uh, in uh, the use of their daily, <coughs> daily bread. But uh, to the poor believer, the believer whose faith is strongly in exercise, even a cup of cold water, uh, is exceedingly precious and sweet. And uh, a meal, an ordinary meal, uh, can be as yes as very sweet as the sacrament itself. The believer can taste a spiritual sweetness even in natural things that others can't taste even in spiritual things such as the Lord's Supper. And the mercy, the same mercy becomes by this means a feast to both soul and body. Well, Christ is the mercy supremely uh, to the world and to the church. All Christless people indeed hold their mercies uh, with great and much uncertainty. But uh, the believer, the believer possessing the Lord Jesus Christ, his mercy is adurable. Lasting, everlasting mercy. He is the mercy, the supreme and the primary mercy. And there is none like unto him. The end of the mercies in this world is but the beginning of endless mercies in the world to come. Being found in him, not having our own rights as us, which is of the law, having the righteousness, which is by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and who gave himself for us. Now secondly, what kind of mercy is Christ? And we should say at the very outset, shouldn't we, that uh, this mercy is uh, a free mercy, an undeserved mercy. He is the gift of God to The gift of God is eternal life. And he says himself, this is eternal life. To know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. He's a free mercy. And more than that, the Lord Jesus Christ is a full mercy. There is a fullness of mercy in him. In him. The justice of God is satisfied, and the real needs of souls are supplied. It pleased the Father, says the Apostle. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And out of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace, so that Jesus Christ is the mercy as to freeness. And as to fullness. And he is an absolutely necessary mercy. And I think the very word itself implies that mercy is something that is absolutely necessary for us, our sinners. He says himself, I am the bread that came down from heaven. That uh, he is the redeemer the ransom of our souls. An absolutely necessary mercy for us because he says, he that believeth not on me is condemned already. See, he is an absolutely necessary mercy for sinners. He is the fountain of mercy. The psalmist said, all my springs are in Thee. From his person and out of his merits there flows our redemption and justification and adoption and sanctification and glorification our peace and joy and our spiritual life here and our life of glory hereafter. And he is a satisfying mercy. He that is full of Christ can't feel the lack of anything. And the Apostles knew this, didn't they? They said, unto whom can we go? For thou alone hast the words of eternal life. Whom have I in the heavens high but thee, O Lord, alone? And in the earth whom I desire besides thee there is none. He is a satisfying mercy. Those who have embraced him and those who trust him have found that they have found satisfaction for body and mind and spirit, for time and eternity in him who is the mercy promised to Israel and performed in the days of Zechariah. And oh, what a suitable mercy Jesus Christ is. He is a suitable mercy. Doesn't the apostle tell us? You are, he says, complete in Him. You are complete in Him. We lack nothing. He is the fullness of God to meet our emptiness, our nothingness, to meet the vanity of our earthly existence. Here is the very fullness of God himself. For God dwelt in him bodily. Father, Son and Holy Spirit in the second person in the days of his flesh amongst us. All the fullness of divine mercy and love and pardon and peace are in Jesus Christ and we by nature are enemies, enemies by wicked works, alienated from the life of God by wicked works, dead in trespasses and sins and we stand in the relationship of enemies to Him. Ah oh, well, if you are still an enemy to Him, know this, that this mercy that Zacharias has prophesied about, uh, this mercy, this Lord Jesus Christ, He is our reconciliation. He is our reconciliation. Are you sold under sin? Then He is our rede- Redeemer. Are you condemned? He is our justification before God? Are you a sinner and polluted? Well here in this person is a fountain open for the sin of Israel and for your sin. Are you lost? And you can't find your way? Here is one who says I am the way, the truth and the life. Here is the one who says come unto me all ye who are lost. And I will show you the way to the Father. Rest is no more suitable to the weary. Nor bread for the hungry. As Christ is for the sinful. For bread is to the starving. And what water is to the thirsting and dying of thirst. Christ is to the sinner. is a, a wonderful mercy. His name is wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. His person is a wonder. Great wonder. You know this, the holy angels of God who excel in wisdom and in intellectual powers. It is said of them with regard to the sufferings of Christ that they desire, they quote, they desire to look into these things. What things? into the sufferings of Christ. They can't get over it. That their God, the second person in the Godhead should be found in the likeness of human form and that he should so humble himself and that he should be made to be sin for us and that he should undergo such sorrows and such sufferings on behalf of the children of men. The angels cannot get over it They wonder at it, and his name is wonderful. Great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifest in the flesh. What a mystery this is, what a wonder it is. What kind of mercy is Christ? Well, is a free mercy, a full mercy, a necessary mercy, a fountain of mercy, a satisfying mercy, a suitable mercy, a wonderful mercy, a unique, a matchless, incomparable mercy. And the most wonderful thing of all is this, that you are here tonight. And this mercy is a mercy that is offered to you. It is a present offering mercy. There's no promise of tomorrow for you. Of this mercy. God may harden your heart as he hardened fatal heart. He may harden your heart or he may allow yourself to harden your heart. But this mercy is a mercy that is offered and offered now. And the third thing I said we would reflect upon is the manner of God's performing this mercy. How did God perform this mercy? Oh well, it's not a mystery. Is not this a mystery? How it is that in the Council of Peace, ere the universe had any existence, this mercy was considered by the Triune God and uh, in the Council of Peace there was a way devised whereby mercy could be shown to you tonight this night now sitting where you are God devised a way wherein he could be merciful wherein he could be the just God justifying the ungodly who believe in Jesus God divides a way wherein his character is in no way maligned and wherein his integrity is in no way compromised but he is the just God in justifying the ungodly who believe in Jesus so God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He is faithful to Himself in His covenant promise and in the performing of that promise He is faithful to Himself and He is just just and equitable in forgiving you your sins on the basis of the incarnation of the Son of God and on the basis of the death of his Son upon the cross of Calvary. He is faithful to himself and just in his dealings with you in pronouncing you forgiven and pardoned. His character, his righteousness, God. his holiness, his God-likeness, is in no way impugned by his freely offering you this mercy that is spoken of in this verse. Lord Jesus Christ. God has made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ. God performed his mercy according to all the covenantal promises, according to all the Old Testament predictions, according to all the Old Testament rituals and shadows in that old system of the Old Covenant. God has performed this mercy. He has been true to his word. He has been faithful to himself and true to his promise. and He has performed it in the, the miraculous conception and the, in the immaculate birth in the holy life and in the vicarious death of Jesus Christ. God has been, has been true To his word of promise and to the word of prediction and prophecy and to the word that is inherent in all the shadows and all the types of the Old Testament sacrificial system, whereby the Old Testament saints were saved, looking into them and seeing through them, the one who is the substance of things to come, the good one who is the substance of the good things. Have lost to come. I ah, yes, has performed all his promises, all his predictions, all his prophecies, and all the things that were spoken of, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them the things relating to himself. If uh, Christ is the mercy of mercies of God to men, in vain do men seek and hope for mercy out of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many have said to me, I know, I know, they would say, that God is merciful. But uh, I had to tell them that God in no way would be merciful to them except in, through and by the person and merits of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. People may resolve to live better lives, to pray more earnestly and to weep more sincerely but uh, all of this will not procure for them mercy. Mercy is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and can be communicated to us only in from and through Jesus Christ. And people look to themselves and then they promise reformation of their outward lives and they promise with some degree of sincerity a repentance and a reformation. But all of this is useless apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. If any man thirst, Jesus says, let him come unto me and drink. Person is willing to believe and willing to repent and willing to restore and willing to reform, then that person is already saved because he has been made willing in the day of God's power to believe, reform, restore and repent. And there is given to such a one new life, new desires, new objectives and best of all a new destiny. Nobody will go to a new destiny, to heaven itself, unless first of all they have a new heart and a new nature, a new life, new objectives, new goals, new achievements, and we cannot get these things apart from the mercy these are great mercies but they come to us from the fountain of all mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ who is the mercy of all mercy do you know him? do you trust him? do you pray to him? do you love him? do you serve him? do you worship him? is he to you? the greatest of all that he your all and in all. We pray that we may have the ministry of the Holy Spirit to convince us of our sin and of our misery and to convince us of the righteousness of Christ and to show us our consequent need of a Savior, that we may uh, fly to Him, to lay hold of Him, and to believe in Him, and to love Him, that we may serve Him in newness of life. Do Thou bless us, and do Thou grant unto us Thy strength and Thy power to enable us to live unto holiness, have the end everlasting life. Graciously forgive all sins. For Jesus' sake. Amen.